0: I do know how to blow a shofar, by the way. I was uh, annoying the kids with that. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a funny thing. We, uh, Molly was doing a, the uh, station that they're learning about some of the old you know, ancient musical instruments, and we actually have a couple of those from Israel. And uh, I was playing around with it, and I did finally get it to, uh, to, to go. Um, and uh, Seth, you know how to blow one, don't you? You're pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. It sounds terrible, but <laughs> it gets the point across. We, uh, we did have a great week and we want to invite you if, uh, if you don't already have plans to stick around for the 10:15 and uh, you'll get to see all the kids do what they do, sing songs and, and hear all about the week. Um, that was just a little glimpse uh, for you to, to know about VBS. Um, we're going to talk about Paul. We've been in the life and ministry of Paul for the last few weeks, and uh, we we've kind of begun to um, talk about his story, his conversion, um, and we're going to get into an area of his life now that is not really well known. Um, it, it's uh, something that Acts does not really talk about. We're going to have to go to Galatians to to find out a little bit more about it. Um, and just thinking about you know some of the things that Paul goes through in his life and uh, why um, he talks about it in Galatians, but we don't see it in the book of Acts, that whole issue, um, is is kind of interesting because uh, what you begin to understand, there's no real inconsistency going on. What it is is that the book of Acts, um, and I'm sure you already know this, but the book of Acts is not Paul's Biology, or or his uh, biography, sorry. Uh, It's not about Paul's life. Um, Paul is one of the main characters. He's one of the people that he's highlighted throughout the book of Acts. Um, It's not the uh, biography of Peter. It's not the biography of John. It's not the biography of of any human being. The book of Acts is about the gospel, and it's about how the gospel spread in those early days. And, And it's about the growth of the church, and it's about What God was doing and so as Paul was used by God uh, He becomes a primary character in the book of Acts Um, But that's not what the book of Acts is about and so as you Kind of understand that issue you understand something else about When we dive into these Bible characters and we begin to study their life and and we're going to spend You know the next couple of months talking about Paul and his uh, missionary journeys and the churches that he planted and the things that he experienced, um, the, the point of doing that is not really about Paul so much as about how God uses a person. And in Paul's life in particular, you have a, a person who was as adamantly and zealously and fervently persecuting the church uh, that had an encounter with Jesus, and then he begins to be the most adamant and fervent and uh, uh, active church planter. And, and what you gather is that the power of the gospel to change a person's life is infinite. It's, it's so huge. It's so immense that there's always hope for anyone that you know to be changed, that this is our hope. This is This is something that we will never give up Hoping for, praying for And working toward is that Anybody that you know that is Lost or far from God or uh, Desperate or or in despair Or broken They can come to know Christ And have their life changed That's huge and the, the other part of it is That you and I Have a part to play in that That wherever you are Or wherever I am in my life That God has for whatever reason Changed us If you're a believer He's changed you And he's given you an opportunity He's given you a platform And uh, uh, an audience He's given you an influence He's given you a group of people That you connect with That you can bring a little bit Closer to Christ And this is our our whole point In being a Christian Is that somehow my life does matter In how it impacts somebody else And Paul's story kind of shows us that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how far from God you are, it doesn't matter uh, where you are in your life, that God can use you. God can change you, and then He can use you. And how do we fit into the gospel? That's what we're going to look at today. What is the gospel? How do we fit into it? Um, And so let's stand as we read God's Word this morning. This is Galatians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 11 through 24. Um, and basically, for the first two chapters of Galatians, Paul is talking about his life and his story and his conversion and the things that happened uh, as he received the gospel. And so here's what it says. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Okay, just (laughs) underline that for for yourself because I don't know if, if that's really something that most Christians grab hold of Paul is saying no man, no human being taught him the gospel I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ for you have heard of my former life in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God violently tried to destroy it and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. And, Father, we thank you that uh, that story is, is unique, Lord. It was uh, your working in Paul's life in a unique way. But, Father, there's something uh, common about it, too, that um, many people can glorify you by seeing what you're doing in our lives, Lord. That, that is uh, the message of the gospel, that as it changes us, as we come to know Christ, as we grow closer to you, uh, that other people see something different in us, Lord they see a change, they see a, a new life being lived and they can come to know Christ for themselves and and father, that is our hope Lord, as we look at the world around us, Lord it is our only hope. It is uh, the hope that uh, you gave us in this world that as we walk through scripture and we see all the the wonderful characters in the Bible who uh, were faithful in some ways, some were, uh, <laughs> they were fallen, they were frail, they, they uh, were broken people that did the wrong thing half the time, but came back to you and, and uh, had redemptive stories and all these different things. We know that the story is not so much about them, it's about you. It's how they related to you, and it's how they trusted you when things were difficult. It's how they came back to you and knew that your grace uh, was enough, it was sufficient. That your your willingness to forgive uh, was was so in, part of your character and your nature that that we could trust at any moment that we would turn back to you that you would receive us. And, and Lord, we thank you that those stories um, they point back to a, a sound and firm hope in Jesus. That you confirmed it, made it permanent, made it accessible, made it available. You invited us into that story through the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son. You confirm it through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, Father, and you give us a call to make that message known somehow, some way in our generation. And we pray that we would. We pray that we would own our own story and that we would share that story and that we would uh, help others to come to a place where they can have their own story with you. That's our hope and that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, first of all, we've got to deal with um, Galatians, the, the book here that Paul is, is beginning to unravel, some of his story that we don't see in the book of Acts. Okay, and so what happens is on Paul's first missionary journey, um, he goes into a region. This is, Galatia is a region, it's not a city. Um, and it's basically central Turkey. He goes into this region, he plants churches, and uh, they have an initial faith, they have an initial response to Jesus Christ. Fantastic, praise the Lord. There are people getting saved. But Paul and Barnabas, they leave that area, they go back to Antioch, it's kind of their home base. And almost right away, there are people that are going into that same region um, who are, and, and this is part of, an opinion or, or educated guess, but I believe that they were potentially well-meaning, okay? These were people that, that really were trying to do the right thing in their own mind, but they went into the region of Galatia, and they began to teach uh, the new Christians who are Gentiles, okay? These were, these were some of the first Gentile believers, because at that point, the church consisted mostly of Jewish people, who had a Jewish background, a Jewish faith, and then came to understand Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. Well, the, the church in Galatia, that area, they were Gentiles. And that means that they were not Jewish. They didn't have a Jewish background. Uh, they were new believers of Jesus. But how this whole gospel thing works, was still a little bit confusing in that time. It's, it's the first century. It's really fresh. It's in the, the 40s, okay? So Jesus has been gone in heaven and the church has been started, but it's been maybe a decade or so, um, maybe 10, 15 years. And so people go into that area, and uh, they try to, to teach the new Gentile believers that uh, you need to become Jewish before you can really be Christian, that in order to have a, the, the Messiah as, as your Messiah, that you need to understand that, that he's the Jewish Messiah, and so you need to be Jewish, in order for this whole thing to work. And they were trying to basically take these converts and take them a step back into a religion that was fulfilled in Jesus, okay? And so there's confusion going on. The church is confused. Um, Even some of the the apostles are a little confused uh, about how this works. Paul later says um, in chapter 2 of Galatians that um, it says chapter 2, verse 11, When Cephas, Paul calls Peter Cephas. Okay, that's that's his name as uh, as you understand it in Greek. Uh, When when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Uh, For before certain men came from James, James is Jesus's brother, um, and James is the one who wrote the book of James. um, And so James is very Jewish in his thinking. Okay, Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but. Anyway, there was a conflict between Paul and, and uh, Peter about the issue of their consistency of the gospel. How does the gospel work? What is the gospel? Uh, Peter began to act more like a, a Jew sometimes when he was around the Jewish people. and He began to act more like a Gentile was when he was around the Gentile people. And that caused confusion. It caused a, a problem because the Gentile people were starting to wonder whether or not they were getting the same gospel as the other people were getting. Okay, and so what seems to have happened was that people came into Galatia, and now maybe their intentions weren't so good. They began to talk about this issue. Um, Paul, he's not really an apostle. He's not like Peter and James and John. They knew Jesus personally during his, his life and his ministry. Uh, they walked with Jesus. They were there at Pentecost. They were there at the the resurrection. They saw the resurrected Jesus. They they got the message. They got the the great commission, and they were there when the church started. And they are they are the real apostles. And Paul we're not so sure about. And and maybe uh, Peter, James, and John's gospel is, is more about the Jewish people. And Paul we're not sure. Maybe he's kind of taking some liberties. And so let's get back to. Peter, James, and John's gospel, and let's not worry so much about, about Paul. There began to be this kind of division and this split between which gospel is the right gospel. So that was a false argument. That wasn't really the truth. Um, Maybe how they understood it. Okay, I'm not saying they didn't really believe that, but that wasn't really what was going on. And so Paul is going to confirm that the gospel there's only one okay there's only one jesus there's only one gospel and that he is a legitimate apostle and that the message that he preaches to the gentiles is the same message that they preach to the jews and it's the same message for everybody all over the world and it's the only gospel that saves what he's going to do is he's going to outline parts of his story that we didn't see in the book of acts in acts chapter 9 it says that paul was on the road to damascus Jesus encountered him, blinded him, saved him, converted him, changed him, and then he turned around right away and started preaching in Damascus, and then he goes to Jerusalem, and then he goes here. Okay, we see all that in Acts chapter 9, but then in Galatians we see Paul says that he did not receive the gospel from any man. He received it directly from Christ. He went into Arabia, okay, and then after three years he finally went to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if that if you compare those two things, if that sounds like there's something inconsistent about that, it's not inconsistent, it's just here's more information about what was going on over here in Acts. So here's what happened. Paul is, is transformed by the, the power and the presence of Jesus. He receives the Holy Spirit. He has a huge amount of knowledge, huge amount of knowledge. Unfortunately, some of that knowledge um, was clouded by Jewish and rabbinical tradition. A lot of the Jewish people, especially the the, the very learned people, okay, the very educated people, and this is a, a, such a shame, okay, but they wouldn't actually sometimes read the Bible, the Old Testament. They would just read the rabbis' teaching about the Bible. Okay, that that's what they would study. They would study the the rabbinical teaching. They'd study the how it was interpreted and they wouldn't go and actually read it for themselves and understand it for themselves they would just get all the interpretations and study those and compare those and try to figure out which one was right and which one they liked more and so Paul he takes a step back now there's probably a point here that we need to make Um, as Christian people uh, our source of truth is God's word okay it's not somebody else's interpretation of it not mine okay Don't depend on Pastor Luke to tell you everything you need to know about the Bible. You need to go read the Bible for yourself. And then, if I'm wrong about something, you say, hey, the Bible says this, but you said that. Now, don't do that on Sunday afternoon, okay? (laughs) Maybe not Monday. Tuesday, maybe, okay? But but at some point, you have to understand that (laughs) I'm not going to perfectly tell you everything you need to know, and I'm going to be wrong about some stuff. Hopefully, my intentions are correct and I'm studying enough and, and prayerful enough and connected enough that I'm not going to be totally wrong, but I'm a human being. You have to get into the Word of God. No, no other celebrity pastor that you're listening to or you, the podcast that you love or the book that you think is great, it's all fine. I mean, it probably is fine. There may be some garbage out there, but it's okay To get some other people's thoughts But make sure that you're comparing it With what the word of God actually says Okay, study this Learn this, understand this And then when you get false teaching You'll see it for what it is Okay, so Paul goes back And when we say he went into Arabia He says he goes into Arabia What that means Damascus is on the edge of Arabia Basically he's saying I went out into the country I was in the city. I went out into the country. I spent some time with the Lord personally. Uh, we, we had some talks. Jesus revealed the gospel to me. He taught it to me individually, manifestly. I went back into Damascus. I had a, a three-year ministry there. So I think what was going on was that Paul uh, was basically spending a lot of time getting back into the actual word of God and his relationship with Jesus, and Jesus himself was communicating to Paul who he was, what his story was, what his teachings were. And so the book of Luke, and you know this because I've, I've been talking about this for a while, but the book of Luke is Paul's gospel. Luke was Paul's traveling companion. Luke has some other sources of information, but his primary source of the gospel of Jesus' life and his ministry is from Paul so when you read the book of Luke what you're reading is how Jesus taught Paul personally all the things of Jesus' life and his teaching and then Paul communicates that to Luke and Luke writes that down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Paul he says I'm, I'm a just as valid an apostle as Peter, James, John or any of the rest of them I was called by jesus and then jesus taught me the gospel and then when i went to jerusalem and here's what he's saying that he finally he went to jerusalem after three years he had a ministry in damascus then he went and talked to peter for a couple weeks okay uh, you can find this in uh, uh acts chapter um 11 so here's what happens acts chapter 9 sorry acts chapter 9 um He finally goes to Jerusalem because he's been preaching, he's been teaching in Damascus for three years. He's got the gospel given to him, and now he's given it out. Um, So he goes to uh, Jerusalem. Acts chapter 9, verse, we'll start in 26. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. Okay, it's been three years. Um, They've heard some stories, but we don't know. He's been out of the country. He's been out of the, the region. Maybe this is a false ploy. Maybe he's trying to ingratiate himself into the disciples, get into their inner circle, and then destroy them from within. Okay, there's this this concern here. They're a little bit skeptical. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, Paul had, who had spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So, he went in so barnabas becomes the the person that believes in paul understands his story and is going to validate that paul is is worthy or he he can be trusted so he went in and out among them at jerusalem this is only for 2 weeks okay uh, preaching boldly in the name of the lord and he spoke and disputed against the hellenists these are greek jews okay paul was a hellenist paul was a a greek jew he was not um the traditional jewish person that we think of paul was from tarsus paul spoke greek paul was outside of the region of of israel but he came in and he got his education paul spoke to the hellenists because those were his people so he disputed against the hellenists but they were seeking to kill him And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus, back to your hometown. Paul's been gone for three years, but he had letters from the Jewish leaders to go and persecute the church in other areas. He's been gone for three years. We've heard some rumors that he's preaching the gospel. He became a Christian. We don't know. He comes back finally to Jerusalem, and it's confirmed. He's preaching the gospel. He's trying to win people to Jesus. And so... With the Hellenists and the other religious leaders, they're like, well, "Let's kill Paul. Let's get rid of him. This is too strong of a witness for Christianity, and we can't have that." So the brothers, the, the apostles, and the Christians send Paul back to Tarsus, far away, his hometown, um, where he will be safe. Paul spends somewhere between seven and nine or seven and ten years in in Tarsus. Okay, he he stays there for a while. He has a ministry there in his hometown. We don't know exactly how long it is, but if you do the math, uh, uh, the way that I did the math is that he was probably in Tarsus for about nine years. Okay, and then after nine years, what happens is in uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 25, says, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught A great many people and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians so here's what happens Barnabas is leading and helping the church in Antioch he knows Paul's uh, education he knows his passion he knows Paul's testimony his his story of conversion and he thinks I need to get Paul back here and and help me out and so he goes to Tarsus uh, and he gets Paul brings him back to Antioch and now they have a ministry there for about a year After a year, then they go on a missionary journey for about a year, and that's when he plants the churches in Galatia. Are you following this whole story? After that, okay, and this has been 14 years from his conversion. This is how they generally count it. 14 years from his conversion to the time that he goes back to Jerusalem after his first missionary journey. It's about 14 years, okay? And he goes... And he's trying to understand have I been preaching the right gospel or not? He had the confirmation back three, you know, when he'd only been a Christian for three years. Same gospel that I'm preaching, is the same gospel you're preaching, but now he's been spreading this gospel all over the world. People all over the world, Gentile people. He is the apostle to the Gentiles, where the, the apostles, Peter, James, John, are the apostles to the Jewish people. And he says, Am I am I doing this wrong? Am I wrong? Is there something wrong with the gospel? Because I'm hearing these rumors that some people don't accept my ministry, and some people think that maybe you, you guys and I are, are on opposite sides of this thing, and maybe, maybe it's not for Gentile people. And then there's this dispute with Peter, and, and Peter's acting like a Jewish person sometimes, a Gentile person sometimes. And they come together and they say, your experience of the gospel, your experience of Jesus Christ is unique but it's consistent Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John What you see is that each one is unique But they're consistent And here's Here's the consistency of it I hear um, People talk about loved ones who have died And, and uh, they believe they're in heaven Okay, and we all have loved ones that have died and, and we all have loved ones that we hope and believe are in heaven Here's the absolute bottom line, okay? The consistency. If someone is in heaven, why are they in heaven? One thing. Because of the work of Jesus Christ that they received. That's it. And we have wonderful eulogies, and and if I ever have to do your funeral, I'm sure that... (laughs) we'll have a wonderful eulogy that you are a great mom, you're a great dad, you're a great husband, you're a great wife, you're a hard worker, that you you were honest, that you were faithful, that you... And all that stuff is great and we're going to talk about that and we're going to celebrate that but the only thing that's going to matter about whether or not you're in heaven is Jesus Christ. It's not about how good you were, how nice you were, how lovely you were to your family or anything else. It's all going to come down to Did that person know Jesus? Did they receive Jesus? Was Jesus their Savior or not? You're not saved by your own work. That's what we mean by that. You're not saved by your own work. You're not saved by your own goodness. You're only saved by the work and the goodness of Jesus. And what you do with that, you receive it, that's the gospel. And that's the same thing that Paul was preaching to the Gentiles, the same thing that the the apostles were preaching to the Jewish people. Jesus has fulfilled the law. He has done it all. He paid the price on the cross, and it's it's all done. And all we have to do is receive it. Now, the Jewish people still have to figure out how much of their old religion do they still practice, and how much of it do they let go. And that's fine. They can continue to think about that, and they still do, and they still will. I have no problem with that, and we don't need to worry about that. As a Gentile, I'm thankful I don't have to deal with that. Because that's not the gospel. You're not saved by how well or or how much of the Jewish religion you practice. You're saved by Jesus Christ. And that was the consistency that they all came to an agreement. This is is the gospel. It's Jesus. Now, the uniqueness of it is nobody has a story like Paul. Right? I mean, nobody in the world is saved the way that Paul was saved or received the gospel the way that Paul received it or, or came to uh, his calling the way that Paul came to it or practiced his calling the way that Paul did it. Nobody has a, a story exactly like Paul. And here's the deal. Every single person who is a believer has a unique story. It, it, there may be some overlap with how your story kind of looks a little bit similar to somebody else's story you know maybe you were raised in the church and you received you know the truth and and at some point along the way you came to your own personal faith and you received Jesus and you were baptized and and you followed the Lord, or maybe you have a totally different story where maybe you were raised in the church, but you went far away from the Lord, and you came back to Him because somebody invited you back, or or maybe you just had a personal feeling of desperation, you needed the Lord, and you remembered something that you had heard, and you came back to that place of, I need Jesus in my life, and you prayed a prayer, or something else. It could be any number of different things. Every story is unique, right? Your story is unique. The uniqueness of your story is, in some ways, the power of the gospel to be an impact on somebody else. And here's here's what that means, is that how you relate to the Lord is going to be consistent in the sense of you're only saved by Jesus. But how you express your faith is going to be unique because only you can be you. And there are people that are going to see how Christ has worked in your life, that they're not going to see how Christ ne- necessarily works in somebody else's life because they don't see those people. They see you. They hear you. They know you. You are the person that that is planting the seed of Jesus Christ in somebody's life. and And for some people you may be the only person who's planting the seed of of the gospel in that person's life. And that's not to make it this huge guilt trip and responsibility. It's just to say that you have a calling. You have a particular usefulness in the kingdom that only you have. And we need to, as believers, own that and be okay with that and step into it with joy that God has made me, Unique, special, called me unique and special, and he's got a purpose for me in his kingdom. Amen? Molly and I have been talking about VBS, you know, last couple of weeks, but we had a discussion again last night about VBS. And the question always comes up, is it worth it? You know how much time and money and energy and how... It's much stress it causes Molly in particular and you have 50 volunteers that you're dealing with any one of those don't show up then you, you're scrambling to get somebody to fill that spot and if they don't fill that spot then Molly's filling that spot and it's, it's a lot you know and there's a lot of money that gets put into it a lot of decorations that put in it a, a lot of stuff you say for a week of you know Doing this for the kids. Is it worth it? And you could argue whatever case you want to argue, and you could probably come up with a good argument. Here's what I think. I think it's worth it, and here's why is because I remember how many of you grew up going to VBS? How long has VBS been around? It's been around a while. Who's who's the oldest person in the room? Gene? Gene says he's the oldest. You been? Did you go to VBS as a kid, Gene? No? Okay, maybe it's not been around that long. <laughs> so here's the thing. Let me use car alarms going off. Um, when I was a kid, I remember that there were kids in my class who... Um, I would see at VBS who I never saw in church any other time. I never saw them in church on a Sunday. I, but I, they were at VBS. And here's, here's what I, I come away with, and, and I don't know if that's the same story that you have or, or not, but, you know, I'm looking at 125-plus kids that came to VBS this week. I, I would say, and this is just a wild guess, potentially a third of those kids don't go to church at any other time in the year. Potentially, a third of those kids will not be in church any time throughout their childhood except for VBS. That's it. That's the only gospel they're going to get in their whole upbringing is a week at First Baptist Church at VBS. They're going to hear the gospel. They're going to be loved by some Christian people. And it's... I think about <clears throat> that these kids need so much more than that. They, they need to know Jesus much more than just what, what they can possibly get at a VBS. But if that's the only seed planted in their heart, if it's the only seed throughout their entire childhood that's planted in their heart for eternity, then it's worth it. Now our prayer is that that won't be the only seed. That somehow God would take a good moment in their family and say, we need more of these. We need, to, we need to get our family in church. We need to know more about what's going on here because there's something different, something special about what we're seeing. That's our hope. And the hope is that when you and I leave here that we understand our part In planting more seeds in people's lives that they're not going to come into this building on their own, not necessarily right now but if you going out can plant a seed and you can invite and you can see a change in somebody by how you express Christ in your life Amen You you understand the uniqueness of of what God's done in your life, how it can impact somebody else is huge it's worth it. And so for Paul, the gospel was Jesus Christ, but how that gospel gets spread is the unique contribution that each person makes. And Father, we thank you. We get to be part of that <clears throat> message, that kingdom-building mission. Lord, help us to be all about it. Help us to, to take advantage of every moment, every conversation, every relationship. Lord, no, just to, to display Christ, Lord, even if it's just being kind, even if it's just expressing patience in a, a moment of, of frustration, Lord, help us to, to let people know why. It's Because I, I believe in you, because I'm, I belong to you. And I thank you that I'm saved because of you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the calling to spread the gospel. Help us to do that. Lord, I pray for each and every one of those kids that has been in this building for the last week, plant a seed of of the gospel in their heart, Lord, I pray, and more than that, and make it grow, Lord, water it, and bring it to fruition for your glory and your kingdom for their sake, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand and sing, we're just going to worship the Lord for all that he is and all that he does.